unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. Tonight we have Deborah with us again, who was with us last week. Um, you know, she took part of the event today in Boston, correct? Yeah. So this isn't going to be a whole lot of like in-depth stuff. We just kind of want to go over, you know, we got some pictures and, and things like that and some videos to share. Also too, Jana had sent me all the media links that she had in the description of the video. All the press links are there for you to go visit. Uh, some of them have some of the pictures that you'll see. Some of them have different takes on the story. Uh, Deborah sent me a video um, just a few minutes ago, actually, that I've got pumped in here. And uh, I think what we'll do is we'll start with the, the Kroger video first, and then we'll kind of go through the pictures and everything. So uh, let me know, guys, uh, in the chat or um, Hero, if you want to shoot me a text, um, if you do not hear the audio on this, but it should be fine. New at 11, the family of a Loveland man says management in a Milford Kroger drove their son to commit suicide. They say their son was bullied and humiliated on the job, and now his parents are seeking a jury trial on multiple claims against the grocery store giant. WCPO 9 News reporter Whitney Miller is following the case. This 29-page lawsuit outlines what the family says is dangerous and disturbing conduct by two managers at that Milford location. They say their son's cries for help were ultimately ignored. His job to Kroger was his identity. It was everything to him. Attorney Austin LaPuma is describing 40-year-old Evan Safebride, a Loveland man and a 19-year employee of Kroger. He rose up the ranks, worked hard, reported every day. But things changed during the pandemic, according to the Safe Ride family attorney. Evan was reportedly bullied by two managers at the Milford store. In the lawsuit filed Monday, LaPuma claims the bullying began when Evan wanted to wear a mask per CDC and Kroger guidelines. Because of his refusals to comply with, quite frankly, dangerous conduct, they then targeted him with just as I mentioned, completely indescribable behavior. The suit claims Evan was, quote, tortured for months by his superiors, who allegedly slashed and destroyed products in the section Evan maintained. According to the filing, Evan reached out to the company's helpline. His family says those complaints went largely ignored. In March, Evan took his own life, his family says, because of the bullying he endured while at work. That Evan had any issues with mental illness, no history of any issues whatsoever, and every single complaint that led up to that fateful day was solely attributable to those garish stories and conduct from that location. A 2019 study shows that more than 90% of employees have been bullied while on the job.
Wow. Pretty uh, impactful stuff, obviously. Uh, that was um, Cincinnati Local. Was that correct, ABC? Uh, I believe so. They're, they're, I'm not sure which, which affiliate the local, the WCPO is. Um, I will say that I was extremely pleased with the amount of press coverage that Jana was able to, to muster, to be honest with you. Cause you know, the, yeah. the media has been pretty silent on all of this and, you know, she sent me this like bullet list. Of, of different publications that were covering it and whatnot. And like I said, I didn't know about that video until you sent it to me just a few minutes ago. So, I mean, at least it got something. And I, I would think that the press release really had a lot to do with that to get that ball rolling, which is excellent. Um, so having said that, but, you know, it's an impactful day. Now, I know, you know, you were at one. I know the one in Cincinnati, um, Oregon, Rhode Island, uh, Michigan. What about it? it? There was one in Arizona too, correct? As far as I know, yeah, we were just sort of like collecting what we could today. Um, and I didn't realize as I was watching that, that some of the, like even the, the scrambling, some of the titles didn't come through, but um, yeah, there's some locations that we just haven't gotten photos on yet. Um, so yeah, in that video is only able to include like a handful of locations, but, um, yeah. Cause I know Jana had messaged me cause I told her I'd gotten some of the pictures, uh, from, from Michigan and sent those to her. Cause she said the ABC was wanting to get everything they could, you know, at that moment in time, which was, you know, excellent because that's progress because I mean, you know, it takes a lot of voices and, and you guys discussed this, you know, last week, as far as awareness goes, you know, there were a lot of voices behind this and it finally, finally got a little bit of shine on it, you know, after a year. And unfortunately, you know, today is the year anniversary. Um, but, you know, it's a shame that it took this, you know, to get it a little bit more exposure than what it's gotten. Now, yeah, um, I've got pictures here. Some of these were actually in, in that video. Um, and this is like a slideshow showing the different locations and whatnot that I was able to put together, you know, before we got on stream, cause this stuff started hitting around, you know, five thirty, six o'clock and I'm trying to patch together everything I can for tonight, but show you what we got. Yeah. So yeah. this was from, um, the first thing that Jana sent me, this was actually from a local publication. Um, it was like a photo photo gallery of the different things that were going on. Um, these actually have, you know, like some wording to them. You've got Jana Murphy embraces Joey Lamb as Amy Chamberlain, the late Evan Seyfried girlfriend stands behind them during a protest held against Kroger for late employee Evan. Um, and it pretty much says the same thing all in, you know, all the descriptions, but you know, it just shows you, I mean, that, that, you know, people, do care and people, you know, showed up for this and, you know, that's an amazing, amazing thing. And, you know, what everybody did to organize this, to get the participation that they did is pretty amazing, you know, cause this covered quite a few States and there were a lot, you know, obviously from Cincinnati. Um, but you can see, you know, it's people showed up. People wanted to participate. People believed in the cause. People, you know, agree that Kroger has to be held accountable for what happened. And then here's some more. Um, once again, uh, you see Amy in the bottom right 
And then you've got the group picture. You can see Jana and you can see Amy side by side. But yeah, I mean, it's it's impactful stuff. I mean, you know, voices do matter, guys. And I had this one in the middle at Cincinnati. That's actually Vermont, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I didn't even realize yes. this was Vermont one. And huh. we know this lady, along with this one, standing side by side in the group picture. One thing that you guys did that I really did enjoy, um, there you are, Deborah. Uh, that was where you guys held the different pieces for justice for Evan. Yeah, Vicky did a lot of work, like prepping signs for us, and we had, um, yeah, where each person held a sign, and then um, just like different uh, poses. We we did a lot of photo shoots today just to get you know get some stuff that we could use for publicity, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have to say our day started out with Vicky telling us that USA, this was in USA Today, which was a huge like piece of news yes. for us. Um, and then we had just, you know, people who people who came out who, um, you know, have only met online or, you know, who like have been uh, affiliated with this cause for months or years Um and I just met for the first time today. We had almost 20 people in Massachusetts, which was great, um, you know, for like being in the middle of the day and started snowing later. So um, we were really happy. We also had, um, which was in, in the footage that you showed, but um, the state senator uh, who introduced one of the pieces of legislation around this um, came out and talked to us and thanked us and um, talked about the, just how impactful it is for like our group of people to keep making noise and people feeling like, um, you know, we had some people drive like over an hour, some one person over two hours to be there um, because they felt like not doing something. Um, They came by themselves. Um, but they just, they, they said like, just the thought of not doing something was, was, um, what, what made them actually take action and get in their car and, you know, take that leap of faith that, or just, you know, put themselves out there in an uncomfortable situation and, you know, be a voice for Evan. What, so what kind of interest did you guys to, get like passerbys and whatnot? Were there people that, you know, actually asked, Hey, what are you guys doing? And, you know, actually expressing some interest in, you know, why are all these people standing on the state house steps? We were a little set back from like the, there's kind of a big space in between like the sidewalk and um, like the stairs that we were on. Um, but the, there was like constant traffic going on, you know, people looking seeing what was happening. Um so we didn't get a many people asking us, but we definitely got that like exposure um, for anyone driving well, everybody by. Helps. So that was and, great. You know, Eric uh, Evans' brother is quite active on Twitter, and you know, and he made sure you know to express his thanks for the family, 
you know, for, for everything that everybody's done. And, and, you know, it is kind of amazing to watch and you make a good point about, you know, people that you only met on the internet that, you know, felt compelled, you know, to be there and to do something. And I, that, I mean, that says a lot. I mean, it, it does, you know, maybe it's not the turnout everybody wanted. You, everybody would love for it to have been bigger, but it's kind of like anything else. You know, if one person gets something out of it, you know, it, it's, it's worth it. You know, it's, if that's just another voice to add and I cannot stress enough, you know, everybody's voice is important. Everybody, everybody matters. And, you know, the fact that this happened to Evan, yeah. you know, it really shows, obviously Kroger doesn't think everybody matters because if they did, we wouldn't be doing any of this. Yeah. One of the things that we talked about while we were there was just the, um, the amount of shame and fear that go along with this. If you're, if you're targeted, there's, you know, the, the shame of being a target, even though, you know, as, as being, if you're a worker, which is what a lot of targets are, there shouldn't be shame involved with that. But people, you know, do think that, um, being abused carries some connotation of weakness. And, you know, there's, there, people feel shame when they experience this. Um, and then there's also that fear of putting yourself out there and, you know, how is this going to affect my ex or, um, you know, just, just be, being associated with the issue can be uh, a scary thing for people. So, um, you know, we recognize that and the courage that it takes to come out and, um, you know, just basically be a voice for, for the people behind them who can't come out or who feel too scared or um, feel too much shame. Um, you know, every person I feel like comes out and speaks up about this issue is giving permission to other people to come out and speak out. And it's it'll just take momentum like you know, issues of prior decades have that, um, had stigma around them. And, um, so, you know, yeah, we're just chipping away at this slowly. And, um, I was, I was, you know, there were, there were 15 locations around the country that, that, um, had some form of, at least, um, that, that I was inspired by. You know, the, the one, thing about all of this that you know is as heartwarming and impressive as anything is it does show you the amount of people that have supported this cause and whatnot there's still good people left in this world and you see the evidence of that with people you know who raised a flag for you know these kind of causes and it's important you know that we understand that for as twisted and messed up as society can be there's a lot of good folk out there that are just wanting to see the right things done, you know, and see people being done right by, you know, their employers, um, you know, being treated with respect, you know, the whole dignity at work. I mean, it's all that goes together and, you know, it's a symptom of a bigger problem, you know, industry wide that we have things like this happen. And, you know, the one thing that the awareness can do, is maybe hopefully, hopefully get us toward instituting change in these organizations. And, you know, the biggest part of all this is, 
you know, the mental health aspect is so, so, so important um, that, you know, this should wake people up. And, you know, the fact that Kroger has been completely silent on this and, you know, hasn't reached out to family, the, the union, you know, not reaching out to the family, you know, so many failures across the board in an industry who really, you know, these businesses succeed on the abuse they put on their employees. And that's just not right. I mean, it, it doesn't need to be that way. You know, you don't go take a job to be treated like garbage. You go to take a job to make some money, to be treated with respect, you know, to be treated as a human being, not a number. And unfortunately, you know, what we see is far too often, it, it's all about the money. It's like you said last week, it's all about the power, the people in power. They could care less as long as their their cough, coffers are full, you know. So, uh, Hero just said, advocate yeah. accountability. Yes, yes. And that's the thing, you know, hold Kroger accountable. But not only Kroger, all businesses. They all need to be held accountable for the well-being of their staff, period. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, one thing I find interesting about this whole thing is that, um, you know, as I've experienced toxic environments, um, really seeing how, like in a bullying situation or even escalating to a mobbing situation, you really get a sense of like how, especially in a mobbing situation, how the person or the people in power control the narrative. And I think that, that, that these protests, um, are taking that to this like grand scale of like there's here's Kroger's narrative of just wanting to avoid liability and pretending this didn't happen, but there's this huge problem that they didn't address. And, and it's just the power in um, taking back that narrative and t- in like having a voice and saying, no, that story isn't correct. This is our truth. This is what we know to have happened um, and support, support Evan, who, you know, didn't, wasn't able to have a voice in his situation or didn't have his voice respected. Um, it's re- it's just so powerful to, um, change that narrative or to try to change that narrative, to chip away at it and say, this, this is actually what's happening. And this is what needs to be addressed. Yeah. Because really and truly what happens with the power is they steal your voice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's punitive silence. It's, you know, um, it's all, oh, and the one thing that really kills me too is, you know, there'll be people that say, well, you know, I I hate the whole, we'll just toughen up kind of thing, you know, and I feel like that's a terrible way to look at it. You know, when people are being bullied because not everybody's wired the same, everybody's different. Sure, you may have some people with thick skin yeah. that it don't bother, but then you have people that it does. And, you know, the stigma of, you know, people being portrayed as weak because really at the core of it, they just don't want to be treated like like that. It has nothing to do with being weak. It has everything to do with, I'm a human being. I, I don't deserve to be treated that way. And, 
you you yeah. na- you nail it you know with with the whole power thing because that's really all it is 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 these puppet masters and corporate offices you know leading their peons around to make them money and if they lose one it's like okay we'll just get another one throw them through the grinder and that's really how most employees are looked at in most of these businesses regardless of whatever kind of garbage that the company wants to talk about oh we're a family here and whatnot no no you're not so, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's rough out there. A lot of people don't understand, you know, especially all these groups of people that talk about, oh, it's a low skill job or this or that. People don't understand how much stress and pressure goes along with a customer facing business. Yeah. You know, and, and the whole customer is always right kind of stuff. Once again, enforces the fact that they see their employees in most cases, as lesser because they won't even take up for them. Yeah, it's all about like reinforcing this hierarchy that that keeps them in power. And like, um, actually, uh, one of the advocates today uh, told me about this uh, podcast episode of Bernie Brown and her Dare to Lead podcast. Um, I think it's, I guess it's her most recent episode. Um, but it was all about like toxic work cultures and just um, some researchers from MIT who had like did all this deep dive into all this data um, about toxic work cultures and how they operate and, you know, just had a really good handle on um, some of the details of this. But I think, I mean, speaking of Brene Brown, I think, I think our culture, um, she talks a lot about like vulnerability as a strength. And I think that um, to what you were saying before, I think the more we can see vulnerability as a strength instead of a weakness will, will help us move forward. But also, you know, we have this um, culture where, or maybe it's human nature, but people um, feel like we have this victim blaming uh, attitude towards things because um it helps people to feel like it can't happen to them that we do live in this just world. And if, you know, if something bad happens to somebody, that means that they had some um, role in, in what happened. Um, so it's sort of more like a comforting mechanism for people who, um, you know, haven't gone through it or don't want to admit that it happens because, you know, they found a way to, to maneuver through the system and have it work in their favor, but without necessarily realizing how much of a toll it's taking on them as a bystander or, um, you know, there's just like toxic cultures are rampant. And, and for, um, I think that the more we can recognize it and acknowledge it and speak out when it's safe to do so, not necessarily in our work environments, but in, situations like this or, um, you know, pushing legislation behind the scenes or, you know, there are ways to speak up without necessarily putting ourselves in harm's way. So real shift that needs to happen. Um, basically, I mean, there's so many parallels to domestic abuse. It's sort of, you know, taking the, the progress that was made around domestic abuse and moving it towards the workplace um, and saying that, like, behaviors in both of these or abusive behaviors in both of these areas are wrong and there, there need to be consequences for 
for them in order to start preventing them. Absolutely. So. I mean, and, and that's a good correlation. I mean, you know, in a lot of these situations, I mean, it is an abusive relationship. Yeah. And, and as we see in most abusive relationships, it, once again, it goes back to what you ladies talked about last week. It's about power. Yep. So, yeah. So I've got um, a couple more videos here. Um, this one yeah. is from Michigan today. Um, it's going to be on the sidebar here. So it's not going to take up the whole screen because, you know, you've got the whole thing with the aspect ratios when it comes off phones and whatnot. But so check this one out, guys. And quit his job he loved as the dairy manager at Kroger in Milford, Ohio. We take a stand from New York to California, Pennsylvania, Oregon, Wyoming, Colorado, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Arizona, Texas, Florida. All of the people, that, all the states I mentioned are holding a rally from 12 to 1 today in honor and to bring awareness to Evan Seafried's horrific, toxic, bullying work environment. And then I've got another one, uh, I believe, from Ohio. So, and that one is, is really cool because you can actually see camera crews and people taking a peek at what's going on. And, you know, that kind of awareness goes a long way. And if I'm not mistaken, um, Ohio is Kroger's corporate office home. So that's even worse that this took place in their backyard. And for a company that you know, makes as much profit as they do, and they try to talk about their reputation and things like that. This happened in one of their core stores where their home office is at. And that speaks volumes. The silence from them speaks volumes. I know they're in litigation and all this other stuff. I get that. But it's been a year. And right there in their backyard, they allowed this to take place. And it, it kind of infuriated me. I, I don't know if, if, if you saw it on Twitter, Deb, but there was some news like grocery, whatever, Twitter account posted this video of them talking to Rodney McMullen. Things that other businesses can learn from Kroger. I'm like, are, are you kidding me? So I retweeted it and quoted, well, the first thing they can learn is they need to learn about Justice for Evan and fill out this survey, you know, because it's like, really? And, you know, it's, I'm sure their social media people don't really pay attention to that. But that, I mean, that just shows you how, how brash and, and how non-caring these businesses are. Because, I mean, Kroger's been getting drugged through the mud all year long. I mean, they had that survey about you know what their employees are making how many of them were homeless or living paycheck to paycheck working conditions you had the the strike at king supers i mean they have been drugged through the mud and i don't understand how the press is like oh there's some like uh 
shining beacon of the grocery world. No, they are not. And I will, I will go on record as when I lived in Georgia, you know, there were Publix and there was Kroger. And there was no Kroger that ever impressed me. <laughs> so they didn't get a lot of our business unless we just happened to be nearby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think you mentioned this before that um the the media and uh the the what am I trying to say here? The the corporate uh money supporting the media then leads to like either not getting coverage or I'm sure certain spins to like support them. I mean, it's just it's just disheartening to see uh, how much corporations run the show. Oh, but, the money always runs um, the show. And that's the sad part because there's yeah. no doubt in my mind, I'm not some media mastermind, but you cannot tell me that the reason these big networks and 60 minutes and things like that haven't covered it is because of corporate sponsorship money. Yeah. I bet there's a lot. I, I bet these places yeah. have like a list of like companies you're not allowed to talk about. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's the whole follow the money thing. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just bad. And, and, you know, I hate that, you know, this happened to begin with. I mean, we shouldn't even be having these conversations, you know, um, yeah. we, we shouldn't yeah. have to be standing on state house steps, you know, to make people understand that there was a human being involved in this. You know, he should still be walking around. He, you know, he should have celebrated his last birthday. And the fact that the company turned a blind eye to it, it, you know, it shows, you know, ethics lines are garbage. Human resources is garbage. I mean, it's, that was something that we had uh, Dr. Carbo on that we talked about the fact that it really is to a point now where those functions should be an outside entity that's not attached to the business you know, fair and impartial mm-hmm. because we all know the game. HR is only there to protect them from litigation and liability. We know that. So the only way you can solve that is by outsourcing that to reputable organizations that has not only the company's best interest in mind, but every single person that punches a clock, there's best interest in mind. And I've been to numerous meetings and like manager retreats where they always bring somebody in from HR and they, they, they paint this real happy go lucky, you know, they give you all these different scenarios to go through and you've been in the business long enough. You're sitting there listening. You're like, do they really believe what they're saying right now? (laughs) Because if HR was that valuable, you know, why would there be more steps to get rid of people on paper as a manager than, less steps, you know, to keep people. It's not about retaining people. It's about, you know, this person's a problem, get them out the door. And that's why that stuff can't be handled in-house anymore. It, it just cannot, uh, not effectively anyway. And it's all, it's all a dog and pony show. Yeah, that's what that, yeah, that's what that um, podcast episode with uh, Bernie Brown was all about. Like the, the reasons that people le- left during the Great Resignation were like, the exact reasons that, um, or these 
you know, it was things like disrespect and abusive management and lack of inclusion. And there were like five or six things. Um, and they went completely against these like core values that these, I think it was some high percentage of the companies that they looked at. Um, and this was uh, a ton of data that they looked at, um, which is the op, you know, they say they uphold respect and like all these core values that they say they uphold are actually like, like the opposite is rampant through, you know, the vast majority of, of, um, work cultures. So, um, yeah, it is, it's just a bunch of lip service. It's, um, you know, treating people like they're not people. It's, you know, they think they used the phrase like attack on personhood in this podcast. Um, well, that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. And then it, ultimately it's, um, the people in power policing themselves and, you know, even with an outside agency, it's the company paying for that outside agency, but it's certainly worlds better than the HR department, like doing an investigation, which is usually not even an investigation. It's usually talking to the person making the complaint and talking to the person that they're making a complaint about. And like, that's it. Well, that was a, um, and of that course, was a huge failure for Kroger though, because, you know, the, the complaints that were lodged, I think there was the one employee who filed the complaint. And then after, um, what happened with Evan happened, she, the, the employee went back and they said the investigation was finished and they didn't talk to any of those people involved at all. So how can you investigate yeah, something without yeah. speaking to somebody, you know, right? It, yeah. it's, 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 I mean, part of my language is bullshit. And, you know, cool. so like, especially like if you look at the lawsuit, you know, just the things that, that went on. And, you know, I will never forget getting the email from Erica where she sent me the lawsuit. And she's like, when you read this, you're going to be like, what? And I was because the people just don't understand if you haven't read the lawsuit, how far this thing went and how many people had to have been involved. This wasn't just one manager. This was a, a group of people. And, you know, having worked in that business, if you, if you just read the lawsuit about basically the sabotage of his dairy department, you know, when you've got a group of people actively somewhere housing out-of-date merchandise for when Evan walks away or goes on break or whatnot and goes start shoving out-of-date merchandise, man, that's, that's not, that's like a full-fledged operation. That is not just some random thing. That takes planning. That takes execution. Yeah. I mean, that was like a, a, a just amazing me. And, it, and it, I thought, you know, sure, bullying, but I'd never seen anything to that extent. And the fact that, you know, he's taking pictures of every four foot section in his dairy. And when you find yourself to have, you're having to do that to prove that you're doing your job. And that doesn't raise a red flag for somebody to get involved. That company's just lost. You know, they're just taking that store manager's word for everything. You know, obviously she, she targeted him and they were going to push him out. However, it, whatever it took. And it's just appalling that, you know, there was a person that was a mastermind behind this and employed other people to do their bidding for them. And I hope those people don't sleep at night. They're complicit. And I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. there, some of them were your typical bully assholes that thought, oh, the, the, the objective would be get rid of him. That when it went down the way it did, 
I'm sure some of them are like, oh, hell, it wasn't supposed to go that way. But guess what? It did. And you guys are the reason why. And that's, yeah. and see, that's the bad part about, you know, what happened. Yes, we know Frazee and Pig. We, we, we know who they are. All right. But we don't know all the other pieces and parts. We don't know how many people were involved. And it it got to be from where I sit, maybe five, maybe more, you know, because it takes, I mean, they were wasting company time, company payroll to go set this guy up. They, they should have cleaned out that entire store after this happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would require them admitting some kind of fault, but yeah, the, the amount of yes people that, that Shannon Frazee had to have like a part of the lawsuit where I think it was over the course of just like one day where it was like eight fifty three mm-hmm. or, you know, just like or whatever those timestamps, um, that was pretty mind blowing. I mean, the, just the, the number of people, yeah, she had lined up to, to, to execute her, you know, her scheme. Um, yeah. Cause they sure as hell weren't doing any work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. They just blindly, you know, it's the, the whole like dictatorship, like blind loyalty type thing where, you know, they have their yes people and then they have their people who have integrity. Um, and it just becomes this like battle. I mean, you know, in, in when ultimately you're going up against the people who are above the rules or act above the rules and there's no consequences for them. I mean, it's a, it's a rigged game. I mean, you just can't, you can't win against that. Um, so. And you know, the one thing about the lawsuit that is really amazing as well is look, the industry and the media, you know, likes to pick and choose what's the big ooh-ah offensive topic when it comes to workplace harassment. So with sexual harassment being on the forefront of everything for what, the past three to five years, the fact that he went, you know, on behalf of those two employees and that investigation didn't go any further than it did, you know, with that being in the public eye as much as it's been, with, you know, mass media, the whole nine yards, the fact that Kroger didn't act on that properly tells you all you need to know about them. If they're not going to attack the problem that everybody knows about and hears about ad nauseum, well, God, what what else are they going to turn a blind eye to? Yeah, yeah, then they don't, yeah, if they don't even have to play against, if they don't even adhere to actually illegal activity then and investigate that, then they're certainly not going to, care about things that just require them to have integrity, but not actually, there's no law against abusive power. So, um, or like general abusive power. So there's nothing requiring them to do anything. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, do you, do you believe that the yeah, crazy is still there just because they're scared it'd be an admission of guilt if they moved her out? I think that's why they're keeping her in that position. I think that if they moved her um, or fired her, that they would, that would be some kind of admission of guilt and they don't want to, you know, they, they're all they care about is their liability. Probably. Have you heard any updates um, on the litigation? I haven't. No, I don't know. I don't know anything on that. Yeah, I need to get with them. Cause I know 
that they were waiting on a decision whether or not it could move forward, I guess. Um, yeah, it, that's where they and, were. And it should. It, it damn well should. And, you know, uh, yeah. if anything comes out of this, I mean, if if this is the shot, if this if this can actually move forward in a legal matter, a manner that a big corporation is going to be held accountable, that's going to be industry changing. And, and yeah. it would be sad, you know, it's sad what has happened, but, you know, you'd actually be gaining justice for Evan and his name would be attached to a world changing event industry wide. Cause I'll, yeah, it would be incredible to have that, you know, a case in employees favor, um, yeah, because as as Jenna says, who you know, one of the organizers, like this was entirely preventable. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they could have, it should not have happened in the first place, but they could have stepped in at so many, you know, the Kroger, the employer, could have stepped in at so many turns, and you know, just like he, there were so many reports that happened from Evan or people associated with Evan um, that, you know, this is just complete negligence yeah they didn't even offer to transfer him to another location you would think at a minimum just move him out of there yeah and that would have solved shannon frazee's problem because she just wanted her friend to come in and replace Evan. i mean that that would have been a win-win but at that point she probably i mean i don't want to speculate about what she was getting out of it but um you know obviously there was some kind of incentive to keep evan there and and tormenting him. So from her end, um, so, yeah. So Deb, tell us a little bit about what you, what you're also affiliated with. Yeah. So, um, I, I was bullied back in 2007 at a university and like, you know, went through a whole bunch of Things that I've learned now don't work going to HR or or typically don't work. I should say, I shouldn't say they never work, but um, this was over the course of about a year and I got involved with legislation at that point. This was, I think I mentioned 2007. So we're talking over 10 years ago. And um, when I was working on the legislation, we'd have so many people write into us saying, here's what I'm going through. What do I do? How do I navigate this? How do I heal from this? I've been out of my job for X amount of months or even years. And I'm still, I still feel stuck in this. Um, and so, you know, having going along, building this base of, um, of advocates, I realized the power in the, in connecting them, it's such an isolating thing. So, um, I started what's called dignity together. It's, um, online, uh, or in live, um, digital courses to help people understand, um, what's sort of the, the obstacles working against them, the culture, the overall culture, stereotyping people, the work culture, the abusers view. Um, but then also what, what is likely to happen if they take certain, if they look at certain options, you know, helping them to stand in their power about making certain, you know, making the decisions that would uh, be best for them. Um, and then also, you know, understanding what, um, is likely to happen in the healing process. Um, 
So, and, and then in doing that, helping people connect with each other and understanding that that's really um, powerful in helping people with trauma because this is betrayal trauma. Um, so that's what I do uh, as my work now. Um, it's called Dignity Together. And then also um, as part of that, um, this program called Redefine. Um, and it's, you know, virtual summits. We actually have one coming up this weekend. Um and in-person summits and retreats to for the same thing, to help people come together, understand some pieces of what they're going through, um, to just help people. You know, there's so many uh, aspects to this, of, you know, whether it's um, the legal aspects, the, the mental health piece of it, um, you know, all of the, the stress responses people could have. Um, and then, you know, what does moving forward look like? How do you, how do you, you know, not feel stuck anymore how do you like how do you even like go to a job interview do you talk about it like all these all these questions that um people have about this issue so to help them navigate through it and i help them do that by um talking to each other really and um for a lot of people it's the first time that they're in a situation where they don't have to justify what happened or explain themselves or it's the first time where they're in among other people who just get it they've been through it you know it's not this these same exact situations but I think I've said this before it really operates like a playbook and you know they can start to see that and detach from it um once they start talking to each other and really understanding um kind of like some of the formula to it and how people can tend to behave when they're threatened by somebody for whatever reason. Usually um, their, their insecurities get triggered as part of this. But um, yeah, so Dignity Together and Redefine are the two things that I work it's, on. It's amazing work that everybody's doing. I, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm extremely thankful for Erica reaching out to me because I've met some very intelligent um good people along the way yourself vicky jana uh dr carbo uh, i i gotta tell you i i really really enjoy talking with him and you know it's once again it's it's reaffirming you know to know that there's there's good people out there and you know it's a shame that you know tragedy brings people together but at the end of the day you know that tragedy groups people together to be louder and have more strength and, you know, try to promote change. And, you know, I appreciate every one of you, everything that you do to promote some sort of positive well-being for, you know, anybody in the workplace. It's important and we need more people like you guys. I mean, we really, really do. You know, there's so much wrong in, you know, the business industry period you know, um, it's been an eye-opening experience for me, you know, getting out of management and, and you know, stepping into to this journey I've decided to do with the podcast and whatnot and all the people I've come across and all the stories. And then, you know, you talk about the playbook and the, the one thing that, you know, I guess it's the same thing. Everything follows a pattern, you know, and I think with what you're doing, you know, if you're able to empower somebody to understand that pattern and that playbook, you increase their chances of success and survival hundredfold, easy, out of the gate. Because 
you know, what I've seen, you know, the patterns, the playbooks, really and truly, it's just corporate bullying. It has been from the very beginning. I mean, it's, it's a way to keep somebody under your thumb. It's a way to make them feel less about themselves to try to get more out of them. You know, it's, it's, you know, you guys are the face of kind of like the worker revolution, the mental health revolution. You guys are the ones who are out there creating programs and trying to come up with legislation that are going to help hundreds of thousands of people if we can ever get it done. And y'all all should pat yourselves on the back for that. It's amazing work that all of you do. Thank you. Thanks so much for that. Not a problem. Yeah, and thank you so much for for you know using your voice to to shed light on this because it is such a it's like this silent epidemic. I mean, it it's, it affects so many people. Yet you know, workplace bullying or workplace abuse is not a household term, and um, it needs to be. You know, we need to be talking about it. We need to be understanding it and understanding the effects that it that has on us. I mean, that podcast that I heard today um, said something like. Um, our bosses can have more influence, something like this, but our bosses can have more influence on our health than our doctors can. And that, that's, that's, uh, I was like, yeah, that's exactly how it works. And, you know, we don't necessarily see that in our everyday lives. So no, because people don't realize how much time we spend at work. Those yeah. people that work around you, you're spending more time with them than you are your families. Okay. So, and people in your yeah. inner circle. So just by proxy, the amount of time and exposure you have, they can do far more damage to you than your life outside of work. Yeah. Which is awful. And that needs to change. Uh, I mean, that, that really, really needs to change. And it's something that I don't know if I'll ever see in my lifetime. I hope I do. You know, I, I don't think it's fair. I'm not saying that you give the world to anybody just because, you know, they have a beef. But you need to understand that there's still a lot science doesn't know about a human. You know, how our brain works. Yeah. You know, what triggers certain people certain ways. And you should treat every individual that way. You don't know what little thing you could say, you know, thinking that you're like super boss or something like that that pushes them over the edge. And it's just, we just do not view each other, you know, like we should. Too much hate, too much divisiveness. Yeah. I mean, too, I mean, look, he, what happened to him just because he wore a mask? I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, and that's a choice and it's not hurting a damn soul. And that's the thing. If you're doing something like that and it's causing somebody harm, okay, they can say something. No, it's not hurting a soul. Leave them alone. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, actually I, I, I've got to message her back. I actually found somebody on Twitter who, uh, through a university, they actually did a study. Like there's data, you know, showing, um, how workers um, were faring during the pandemic due to the different protections or lack thereof their companies were giving them. And in perusing this, I've also saw that there was a study done on the mental health aspect of grocery and retail workers during COVID-19, which I want to get a hold of that person too, because Anytime we can give somebody just a little bit of time, somebody stumbles across seeing it or whatnot, if they can actually get some some data and they can actually you know something tangible, you know, it all comes down to 
the bosses and the public treat essential workers like garbage, both sides, you know, and like in Evan's case, he's not getting support from his superiors. And if he's getting, you know, beat up by, you know, consumers as well, it's a bad thing. So, but we're sitting right at an hour. Uh, we're going to go ahead and cut this off. I do want to say thank you to Jana. I want to say thank you to Erica for reaching out to me at the very beginning. Um, this has been one hell of a ride. Um, it's a very sad story. It's something that could have been prevented. You know, my condolences continue to go out to the family. Um, you know, I, no parent should have to outlive their child. And Kroger should pay for that. 110%. You know, that's, it's, everything that went on with that situation was wrong from the top down. And McMullen, happened on your watch. Take out your trash. So, uh, next week, I'm not real sure what we're doing. Uh, Wednesday, we might be doing the, uh, the employer violations from the tracker that I found going through, we'll, we'll talk about Kroger as well. We'll go through different payroll violations, OSHA violations that are all a matter of public record. Um, it is, it is a sight to see because it'll break it up by, you know, how many people got cheated in pay, you know, injuries, whole nine yards. And it's, it's actually quite eye opening when you go through that stuff. Also too, um, we'll have our new thing, the retail therapy sessions coming up soon. Everybody be on the lookout for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we're going to keep moving forward. So if anybody has any suggestions or anything, hit me up. If you got somebody that you want to see come on, let me know. We'll do what we can. Deborah, you and Vicky, welcome anytime. You, uh, absolutely. You Thanks. got anything to say? Just let me know. So um, having said that, everybody, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for everybody who's retweeted anything I've posted about Justice for Evan. Thank you for all of you who believe in the cause. Thank you for all of you that, that you know, through me making you aware, maybe you were not, that signed a petition. We still need more signatures. The job ain't done yet. We're a year in. The job's not done until it's done. So, once again, thank you for everybody's support. And ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. Thanks. <laughs>